0: Everybody loves a birthday, right? Well, apparently no longer when it comes to celebrating the birthday of the United States, July 4th, Independence Day. Recent Fox News Channel poll, only 39% of Americans, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, are interested in celebrating the 4th of July and all that it stands for. Relieving ourselves of the tyranny and totalitarianism of the King of England. Can you imagine if those colonialists have not succeeded against all odds, we would still have been bowing and curtsying and kissing the tush of the biggest welfare cheat in the world, the Queen and all of her degenerate minions, and bowing to the Union Jack? Are you crazy? Only 39% of you? And it gets worse locally. What is considered the most unpatriotic state of the 50 states in a recent poll? New Jersey that's it New Jersey from Camden County to Hudson County now I will say I was at a support the troop rally in Dumont New Jersey one time and I mean they were busting their buttons and bridges with patriotic pride but overall The number one state in the nation that's considered the most unpatriotic, New Jersey. The number one city that is considered the most unpatriotic in the nation, Newark, New Jersey. By the way, it also won the designation as the dirtiest city in the nation. Hey, come on, Raj Baraka. I know you hate America, I know you hate cops, but do you really want to be rated the most unpatriotic city in America? Newark is more unpatriotic than Berkeley, Berserkly, in the East Bay, where they hate everything American, San Francisco, Oakland, Berserkly? Oh my God, think about that. But I will tell you where I will be on the 4th of July as you watch this. I will be at the annual Travis 4th of July parade in Staten Island, the longest running in the nation. And let me tell you something. It brings together blue-collar working-class Democrats, Republicans, independents. It goes through the neighborhood streets. It winds through. You see people they bring their lawn chairs, their hibachi grills, and, of course, their coolers because they're drinking a lot of brewski, and their American flags. And they're Democrats, Republicans, and independents, their black, white, Hispanic, Asian. People look forward to it. So for all those people who can't catch their flights because they've been canceled, for all those people who say it ta- costs too much gado for the gas, you know, with Joe Biden's inflation that he blames on Putin— Hey, all you got to do if you're in New Jersey, the most unpatriotic state in the nation, is come across the Outer Bridge Crossing or the Gothels Bridge or the Bayonne Bridge to Travis. And if you happen to be in Brooklyn, Queens, or Long Island, across the plank, the Verrazano Bridge, I'm going to be there as I am each and every year with the Guardian Angels. They get a dose of what it was like in the 50s when there was a lot of American patriotic pride. I mean, how many years ago was that? Oh, my God. That's almost like, what, 70 years? And yet now, patriotism is going down, down, down. So what are we going to do? We need to bust our buttons and bridges with pride. Happy birthday, America, on July 4th, our Independence Day. Bobby Bonilla, you are the luckiest man Alive. And I'll tell you what. First off, you were birthed in the Bronx. You're a Bronx boy. You went to Lehman High School. You were all city playing baseball, but you didn't get picked up in the draft. And then all of a sudden, some scout in Europe was looking at you at New York Technical College, I think in Long Island, and said, hey, this guy could be a pro. And the Pittsburgh Pirates drafted you, and you and Barry Bonds played side-by-side. You were like uh, the Bumblebees or whatever they called you back then. You were almost the MVP. And then Bonds went to San Francisco, and you signed up with the Mets. A $6 million contract. The hometown hero was coming back to the Mets. You loved the Mets when you were growing up. This was your dream come true. Plus, at that point, that was the highest annual contract than any major leaguer had signed. Six million. But all of a sudden, all the greatness that you brought to the Pittsburgh Pirates, you began to sink into the abyss at Shea Stadium. You just didn't have it. Barry Bonds went on with roids, probably in the neck, in the head, every place he could shoot the roids, and became the home run hitting champ, even though he cheated. You, you just floated into the abyss. And I can remember, it's that playoff game, I think game six against the Atlanta Braves, National League Championship game. Ricky Henderson wasn't playing, you weren't playing. And you guys went into the clubhouse and started playing cards. And then your manager, he, he just like lost it. You know what I'm talking about? He lost it. And I'm saying to myself, "Oh man, Bobby Bonilla, he's never going to survive this." Well, guess what? You survived because Fred Wilpon, we called him Fred Wilponzi at the time, because he was living off the corrupt Bernie Madoff, who was giving him all that illegal money. And then eventually the biggest financial collapse in the history of America, the biggest white-collar criminal. And thank God Bernie Madoff, that crook, is dead. He died in federal jail. But Fred Ponzi, knowing he didn't have the money, deferred the contract because he had to pay Bobby Bonilla, who was living in Stamford, Connecticut at that time. And so he made a deal that he would pay him a million-plus dollars till the year 2035. So July 1st is every, every uh, year it's called Bobby Bonilla Day because that's when the Mets have to give him over a million dollars for growing barnacles on his backside. Nobody born in the Bronx, not even drug dealers who are making mad money, have ever made as much money as Bobby Bonilla for doing nothing. Now he lives in Sarasota, Florida, in retirement. He gets over a million dollars. Now from the guy who ought to be in jail for insider trading information, the new owner of the Mets, Steve Cohen, who knew he had to inherit this contract. Imagine Bobby Bonilla, luckiest man in America, born in the heart of the Bronx, will make over a million dollars every year for doing nothing because of Fred Ponzi. And the extended contract he signed. And you know who negotiated it for Bobby Bonilla? His wife. In this case, his wife didn't take the money and run. His wife made the money. And now they're living on this mad, met money. Mad, met money. Taylor Swift, I love you. One reason is that. When he was mayor taking a Miley Cyrus wrecking ball to the city that we love, Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, decided to anoint you ambassador of New York City. Taylor, you got an apartment in Trifecta, you're never there. You're in Nashville, Tennessee. That's your primary residence because there's no taxes. It's a tax shelter for you and Justin Timberlake and all the other Trendoids jet setters. By the way, you haven't hooked up with Justin Timberlake yet. That's probably one guy you haven't been the queen bee over because there's even a more devious reason that you would not like Taylor Swift. She is the president of the Man Haters Club of America and its best member. Why? Because like a queen bee, she wants all these male bumblebees coming into the queen bee's presence, stinging her. And they all die, my little pretty, once they sting the queen bee. Because the queen bee always survives. Let's look at the litany of males that Taylor Swift has discarded. First, 2008, Joe Jonas. You remember the Jonas, oh, we never have sex. We pray to God that all proven to be bull feathers. But anyway, Joe Jonas, right, she dissed him. And then she wrote a song about it called Mr. Perfectly Fine. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. Then there was Lucas Till in 2009. Goodbye, Lucas. Then there was Taylor Lautner in 2009, and she wrote the song, oh, Personally, December, dissing and dismissing him. And then John Meyer, right? John Meyer had a nice time with Taylor Swift 2009 until all of a sudden she wrote the song, Dear John, and you said, that couldn't be the Taylor Swift I knew. And then there was Corey Monteith. And then John Gillian Ha, huh? And then he wrote this, she wrote the song All Too Well, which meant u to you. Uh. And then Adam Young. And then Cord Overstreet. And then Eddie Redmail. Then Zac Efron. That's right, Zac. That's right. Pop, pop, Zack Zac Efron. Boom, she dissed and dismissed you. Now, that's up to like 2012, right? Wait, we're not over. Remember, there was Connor Kennedy, that's right, one of the Kennedy kids, right there in the Cape Cod there, Martha's Vineyard. Well, you know what she did? She was so obsessed with Kanye Kennedy and his drugging and boozing ways like all Kennedys. She decided to buy a multi-million dollar mansion next to the Kennedy mansion in Martha's Vineyard, where whatever happens in the Kennedy mansion stays in the Kennedy mansion. And then it was, Oofah to you, Conor Kennedy, off you went. And then it was Calvin Harris, right, Mr. EDM? And then Harry Styles. And remember, she wrote the song Styles, which was a double Oofah to you, Harry Styles. And then Tom Hiddleston, And now, Joe Alwyn. I'm sure Taylor Swift has a prenup. But all of these guys, I mean, look, look, all these guys, like in the wake of Queen Taylor Swift, like bumblebees, they sting her. And then she goes, and now you're dead, my little pretties, because I'm the president of the Man Haters Club of America and its number one member. Ah, little do you realize that that cell phone you have, that smartphone, that iPhone, That free Obama phone you got during the Obama administration or that burner phone that you uh, drug dealers and guys who have gumadas on the side get rid of each month. That the guy who invented the cell phone, was back in 1973, he's still alive. He's an old Alta caca. He did it in Chicago for Motorola. And that first cell phone basically connected your ear to your mouth, just like what you see here. That was his idea of a cell phone. And he said it was so that you could make important phone calls, you could receive important phone calls. Now, after looking back on close to 50 years, he says, what a mistake he made in inventing the cell phone. He's telling everybody out there, put the cell phone down and get on with a real life. Is your life so meager, so miserable that you have to spend your entire life on the cell phone? Texting, sexting, having a good old time. The guy who invented the cell phone says it was the worst mistake of his very long life. He's 92 years old and he couldn't be more hopelessly right. Look at how much of your day is consumed with the cell phone. It's like you're married to the cell phone. Yeah, at times it's like a husband or a wife. You love them. You hate it. You can't live without it. You turn it off. Then all of a sudden you're going through separation anxiety. You're sexting and then you realize you're cold busted and then you're texting. And then all of a sudden you're using all your social networking all on this little cell phone. It wasn't his intention back in 1973. He said simply, I want you to have the opportunity when you're away from your place of business or your home, with, you know, your main telephone, that you would have a cell phone to go from place to place that would connect your ear to your mouth. Look at this. Look at that monstrosity, right? That that'll be in the Metropolitan Museum of Natural History as the first cell phone for Motorola. Now, with all the gadgetry, with everything that connects us globally, with things that are of no consequence, I mean, think of it, Facebook, every day people were posting. Oh, this is what I had at Denny's, a grand slam here. And oh, look at what I had. Oh, I had the banana boat, right, with extra cream and extra cherries on top. That's not what he wanted in a cell phone. And he didn't want you all of a sudden Instagramming. He didn't want you doing TikTok. He didn't want you all of a sudden having it for mail. He said, hey, the United States Postal Service is going out of business because of what I invented, the cell phone. Get a stamp and snail mail it. I salute you. The man who has changed our lives measurably forever. We hate it, but we can't live without it. The cell phone. It was birthed in 1973 in Chi-town by this guy who was working for Motorola who simply wanted you to have an extension from your place of business to your home with a cell phone that would connect your ear to your mouth. And now look at what it's become. Well, guess what, guy? You're like Dr. Frankenstein. You created the Frankenstein. Now it's time for you at 92 before you keel over and die to kill Frankenstein, if you dare.